tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Welcome to the Kotke Ride Home for Monday, March 1st, 2021. I'm Jackson Bird. How the RNA-based platform used for some of the COVID-19 vaccines is already changing the game for other diseases. Plus, I got vaccinated stickers and selfie stations are starting to pop up. And an app that's bringing back the disposable camera without the disposable camera. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. All right, so especially with news of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine rolling out in the U.S. this week, you've probably been reminded of one way that this one differs from the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines already being distributed throughout the country. The Johnson & Johnson one makes use of viral vector technology that's been used in vaccines and other medical interventions for decades. The Moderna and Pfizer vaccines, by contrast, use messenger RNA or mRNA and are the first vaccines approved for use in humans to do so. Now, scientists have been working on mRNA technology for vaccines for a couple of decades, but there's been a number of hurdles to overcome, both scientific and funding related. Now, with multiple vaccines as a proof of concept, some are hopeful that we'll see the technology applied for other diseases. And we may be close to our first one. Researchers have published a patent for a malaria vaccine that uses an RNA-based platform. It hasn't yet been tested on humans, but Richard Bucala of Yale School of Medicine and co-inventor of the vaccine said, quote, It's probably the highest level of protection that's been seen in a mouse model, end quote. Now, there is technically a vaccine for malaria currently, but it's only about 30% effective and drops down to 15% after four years. With an estimated 229 million cases of malaria in 2019 and over 400,000 deaths worldwide, a truly effective vaccine could save hundreds of thousands of lives a year. Quoting the Academic Times, Making a vaccine for malaria is challenging because its associated parasite, plasmodium, contains a protein that inhibits production of memory T-cells, which protect against previously encountered pathogens. If the body can't generate these cells, a vaccine is ineffective. Along with Andrew Gial, a pharmaceutical researcher who developed the RNA platform that the duo used, Bukala found a way to prevent the unwanted protein in plasmodium, called PMIF, from inhibiting T-cell generation. 
The concept of the novel malaria vaccine accounts for the PMIF problem. Instead of injecting the actual pathogen, the vaccine presents the body with instructions via RNA on how to create the protein unique to the pathogen by itself in order to fight it, which is precisely how Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine works. However, rather than using an mRNA platform, Bucal and Gial used a self-amplifying SARNA platform. The key benefit of the latter is that it's effective at much lower doses because it can rapidly produce copies of itself inside the cell. For SARNA, one can potentially make a million doses of vaccine with a couple liters of synthetic production, Bucala said. It's much more efficient than the base-protected mRNA vaccines. The proposed SARNA vaccine tells the body to create the troublesome PMIF protein, generates antibodies against it, and naturally produces the necessary memory T-cells, as Bikala had hoped. We thought we could combine RTSS with a PMIF vaccine, but the mouse studies seem to suggest that just immunizing with PMIF is sufficient, Bikala highlighted. That's how striking the results were, end quote. The new vaccine will be tested in humans later this year. Bucala and Gial have tasked the Oxford institution that facilitated the AstraZeneca vaccine with the testing, as they are one of the only places in the world that conducts phase one studies in malaria on humans. Bucala says the low-cost, high yield of SARNA versus mRNA could make it a promising option for other vaccines as well, possibly even future COVID-19 vaccines. It's all very early days, but it's definitely exciting to think about the huge strides forward we could see in disease prevention in the near future. Continuing with the optimistic vaccine talk, but on a more lighthearted note, more and more vaccine centers are taking a leaf out of Voting Sites' book and starting to hand out I Got Vaccinated stickers. But there's also something that I think voting sites might be able to learn from these vaccine centers. Now, especially with the seemingly unending flood of friends and influencers posting selfies of their I Voted stickers during our very long voting season here in the U.S. last fall, I anticipated something similar would happen as vaccines started rolling out. You know, it's a very similar type of person who wants to show off their civic duty out of a combination of genuine excitement, proof that they've done the thing, and perhaps to encourage others to follow suit. But it wasn't until a friend of mine got vaccinated at City Field and left with a whole collection of I got vaccinated at City Field stickers, each emblazoned with the Mets logo, that I saw it happening in the wild myself. Now, fun or uncool, wherever you fall, the stickers are useful for getting the word out and increasing confidence in the vaccine. Not to mention decent advertising for a lot of these stadiums and amusement parks whose doors have been shuttered for the better part of a year. In fact, The Verge reports that the CDC even designed stickers for healthcare workers who received the vaccine at the start of the year in hopes that patients and colleagues would see the sticker and ask to learn more about the vaccines. But some vaccine sites are going beyond the stickers and have erected full-on selfie stations with branded backdrops for people to snap a photo at before they leave. And I know some of these are getting dragged online by people who think the very concept of the selfie has heralded the downfall of humanity. But listen, some people are going to take selfies of this moment no matter what. After a year of strife and tragedy, getting the vaccine is a huge milestone for people, some more so than others. 
An article in the Washington Post last week called Vaccine Centers the Happiest Places in Medicine, recounting how joyful healthcare workers are at the sites and how many patients they see crying from relief and happiness as they get their shot. And since we still can't have a big gathering with friends or do any number of the things we used to do to celebrate, I get why people would pivot to wanting to take photos and share their big moment on social media. That said, taking a photo or video of the moment you're getting the shot risks putting the medical professional administering the shot or other patients in your photo or video online without their consent. And some people have been sharing photos of their vaccine cards without realizing they should cover or blur the parts that reveal identifying medical information. So it's smart of these centers to have created selfie stations, you know, like the stickers they dissuade people from posting their vaccine card on social media. And if a vaccine worker sees someone trying to take a photo outside of the photo station, they can direct them to the photo station after their appointment. As an example, I've attended a number of LGBTQ plus conferences that employ the same strategy, you know, due to privacy and security concerns of some attendees who may not be out in their everyday lives, photos are strictly forbidden at the conference anywhere except clearly marked and decorated photo stations. And I think this is one thing that polling sites could learn from vaccine centers. As we began observing in the early 2010s, as photo-first social media started revving up, it's illegal to take a selfie at the ballot box in many U.S. states. But it hasn't stopped tons of people from doing it. And in fact, a lot of states did relax their rules in 2016, acknowledging that ballot selfies could be good for get-out-the-vote efforts. But still, even in places where it's legal, concerns remain that people will accidentally post the faces or ballots of other people, not just their own. And that's a problem that could be solved not by banning cameras at polling places, but by having a clearly marked photo station on the way out of the polling site. You know, people would know to go there instead, or at least poll workers who catch someone taking a photo could tell them to do so. I know some people may think it's a bit cringe, but I honestly welcome these interventions that both protect privacy and promote enthusiasm. Voting and getting vaccinated are both exciting activities, and we should encourage that excitement. Why not make them both feel a little more like a fancy party? Especially with how few opportunities we have to be celebratory out and about in physical space with others these days. Vaccine stickers and selfie stations. I'm in favor. Well, speaking of selfies... There are a number of apps out there that use filters to make your smartphone photos look like they were taken by actual film cameras, some of them even emulating film stocks from the likes of Kodak and Fujifilm, or throwing random faux light leaks onto the digital photos. A few even restrict your screen so that you can only see what you're snapping a photo of from a tiny viewfinder. But a new app is taking it all a step further by incorporating a social element instead of allowing the photos to simply be shared on other platforms. It also has the added boost of having been founded by one of the most popular YouTube creators out there right now and having been built off an already popular trend. The YouTuber is David Dobrik, and the trend is secondary Instagram accounts dedicated solely to posting photos taken by disposable cameras. Like, actual disposable cameras, the kind you buy at the grocery store and have to get developed. 
Now, personally, I feel a bit sidelined by this trend because I tried to do the same thing in college by posting a bunch of photos I took on a disposable camera over the summer on my Facebook, thinking that it was a super clever artistic commentary on our changing tech and media landscape in 2009, but no one seemed to care or notice. But apparently now, it's the cool thing to do, and since enough people were having enough success posting disposable photos on secondary Instagram accounts, Dobrik and his team created a dedicated app to do just that, called Dispo. Except the app mimics a disposable camera instead of requiring the users to purchase a real one. Quoting the New York Times, In the app, users frame photographs through a small rectangular viewfinder. There are no editing tools or captions. When the images develop, i.e. show up on your phone at 9 a.m. the next day, you get what you get. Multiple people can take photos on the same roll as might happen with a real disposable camera at a party. End quote. Technically, the app launched back in 2019 as David's Disposable, but it's since grown, tweaked the name, and launched beta testing to the public just last week. Quoting again, Though Dispo's latest version has only been available to the public for less than a week, it's already generating buzz. The app climbed the ranks in Apple's App Store this week. Dispo-themed discussion rooms have popped up on Clubhouse. YouTubers are sharing reviews, tips for scoring invites and growth hacks. Just as Visco gave rise to the Visco Girl, Dispo has produced a stable of Dispo Boys. Some photos from Dispo have even hit the online art market as NFTs, or non-fungible tokens. The app's beta users have lauded its restraint. I feel like photos are just simpler, said Goldie Chan, 38, the founder of Warm Robots, a social strategy agency in Los Angeles. Apps like Clubhouse are so much noise, literally. When you have something like Dispo or Visco, you're just taking pictures. You can snap a moment in time and let it go. End quote. And while I'm a little curious about any kind of bump in disposable camera sales or innovations that we may see to the cameras themselves, or at least influencer-branded models like Polaroid's Instant Line has been doing, I'm more curious about this app as another signpost in the shifting tides of social media, specifically as Gen Z continues taking the reins. The low-key ephemerality of Snapchat and then TikTok represent a backlash to the picture-perfect staged and filtered posts of the last several years, although I would argue that the unattainable facades are still very much at play, if sometimes in less overt ways. But nonetheless, Gen Z and many older people too have long been leaning towards social media that is more authentic, more forgiving, and less permanent. Not to mention how many Gen Z folks are really into late 90s and early 2000s tech culture at the moment, so this whole developed film thing really slots right into that. A lot of millennials and Gen X are returning to older tech too, usually citing a desire for single-purpose technology that doesn't bombard you with notifications or tempt you with doom-scrolling. But for all of the lack of filters, lack of immediacy, and lack of captions on Dispo, it is still a social place on a smartphone. People can make collaborative film roles together and comment on each other's photos. Like I quoted above, people are already clamoring for invites, follows, and clout. I think it's probably more likely that Dispo plays a role in shifting tides more so than sticks around itself for the long haul. 
But the founders do seem to have their priorities fairly in order, you know, emphasizing trust and safety. And they've got the backing of Reddit co-founder Alexis Ohanian's firm 776, which led a seed funding round for Dispo in October that raised $4 million. And quote, This week, the company raised $20 million at a $200 million valuation in a Series A funding round led by Spark Capital, according to Axios. End quote. So there's definitely some potential there. If anything, I do like the idea of an app making you wait until the next morning to see your photos. I hope it's not something that they ever gamify or make a premium tier where you can see your photos earlier, because that kind of waiting time is such a direct rejection of the immediacy of so much social media. I mean, will it actually make people slow down? Be less impulsive with posting? Less obsessed with lighting up the reward center in their brains? Maybe that's too much to ask of something that, at the end of the day, is still a social media app. But the fact that it's resonating so strongly with people might signal something about what people are really after these days. The future of social media might be less is more. So at the top today, I briefly mentioned the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which has begun its rollout across the U.S. today, which is great news. You know, the more vaccine doses out there, the better. And since this one only requires one injection and doesn't have as strict storage requirements as the others, it has great potential. But because its trials only showed 72% efficacy versus the roughly 95% efficacy of Moderna and Pfizer-BioNTech, some people are skeptical about getting it. Now, apart from many experts, including Dr. Fauci, reassuring us that it's more than effective enough and that they themselves would take it, I offer these two very good tweets on the matter. First, from Dr. Harmit Malik from the Howard Hughes Medical Institute, quote, That feel when folks are dumping on the Johnson & Johnson vaccine for being a B-minus vaccine, not realizing it's a high-stakes pass-or-fail class. End quote. And even more irreverent from comedian Johan Miranda, quote, Give me the Johnson & Johnson 72% efficacy vaccine. I respect coming in late with a C-, end quote. Anyways, that's it from me for today. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media and Kotki.org. I am Jackson Bird, and I will talk to you again tomorrow.